continue looking at the book of Colossians, we've got a few more weeks until we finish the book of Colossians, and then we're going to have Easter, and then after Easter, we're going to start into the book of Ruth in the Old Testament, if you want to start looking at Ruth uh, and reading through it. It's not a really long book, but I encourage you to. Um, But this morning, we're looking at Colossians 4, 2 to 6 in this section where Paul continues with his instructions for living a life that has been shaped by the reality of who Jesus is. So as as we set our minds on the person of Christ, remember this whole section starts in the beginning of chapter 3, and he begins it saying, set your minds on things above where Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father. Set your minds on Jesus. Know Jesus better. And as we do that, it's going to impact everything, but particularly as we look at this morning, it's going to impact how we pray. So listen to God's word. I'm going to read verses 2 to 6, but we're going to really focus on verses 2 to 4 this week and then 5 to 6 next week. Listen to God's word. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I'm in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word, and we pray that you would speak to us now. We pray that uh, the truth of your word, the power of your word, would prevail over the unbelief of our hearts, that you would move us, each of us, as we think about this passage, that you would move us to a, a, a place of, of more confident belief that would impact and transform all of our lives, especially how we interact with you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Have you ever been, um, or have you, have you ever seen something that is so perfect, so beautiful, that you're like, that just doesn't look real to me. That can't be real. You know, just a couple weeks ago, Kim and I were driving on our way to dinner and it was getting kind of dark and we saw the moon. I don't know if you remember seeing the moon a couple weeks ago. And it was huge. And it was down low to the, low to the kind of the horizon and it was bright gold. And it just looked so amazing. And I remember commenting, I was like, that just doesn't look real. You know, it looks so amazing, so beautiful. It just doesn't look real. Or, or maybe you've have you ever walked into a room and there's like a bowl of fruit on the table and the fruit looks so like vibrant and perfect that you're like, I got to, you know, pick one of those things up, make sure it's not wooden or something or plastic. Um, or maybe you've sat in a restaurant and there's a, a centerpiece with a, a flower in it or something like that, you know, a little vase with a flower. And, uh, and, and it just looks so, you know, beautiful. You can't believe that there's an actual real flower on the table and you had to like actually reach out and t- test whether it's real or not. Sometimes when things look too perfect or too beautiful, it's hard for us to accept that they're real, to believe that they're real. When it comes to the commands in the Bible about prayer, one of the biggest obstacles that we face, I think, is that for us to actually obey the commands requires us to believe in a Jesus that is more beautiful and more perfect than we dare to believe. Um, To to, to believe in, in the Jesus that, that invites us to pray the way he wants us to pray is to, is to recognize that Jesus is, 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 is a lot better than we give him credit for. 
this is the challenge. A prayer life that is vibrant and meaningful and powerful flows out of an understanding of the person of Jesus, a knowledge of the person of Jesus, is an experience of the person of Jesus. Um, but what it often becomes for many of us is something that's just kind of a, a discipline that we cultivate in our life, a duty that we feel like we should do. Or maybe a superstitious thing. We, you know, we know that prayer works, so we, you know, when something happens in our lives, we, are t- we turn to, to pray, hoping that that thing's just going to get better. But, but a real, vibrant, powerful prayer life flows out, naturally flows out, is, is a direct consequence of seeing Jesus in, in all the reality of who he is, of his greatness, of his beauty. Paul gives us some instruction about prayer here in these verses. Specifically, I think these verses give us some helpful info about when we should pray, how we should pray, and what we should pray for. And we're going to look at those things, but what I, what I also want to look at along with those questions is the why. What is it about God? What is it about Jesus that encourages us to pray these ways? Okay? Why should we pray when he tells us to or how he tells us to? Because that is crucially important for us to understand and to see and to believe if we're actually going to live lives that reflect this kind of prayer. Okay? So the first thing he talks about, I... I, I want to point out, is, is when we should pray. He says, in, in the beginning of verse 2, continue steadfastly in prayer. In other words, pray continuously. Pray always. There's, there's always going to be this temptation to, to, you know, pray just sometimes, or pray at certain times, or maybe to give up praying, or to stop praying, or to quit praying, to get tired of praying. But he says, continue steadfastly in prayer. Pray and keep praying. And don't stop praying. The verb that he's used here kind of communicates the idea of holding on tightly to something or someone in other places that it's used. And so, so he's encouraging us to mentally hold on to God always, at all times, and don't stop. So that command is pretty intense, right? I'm supposed to live all of my life in a continual sense of calling out to God, of talking to God, of of mentally holding on to God. That sounds really intense, but I think the important question is to ask here is why? Why does he tell us to pray this way? Why does he tell us to continue steadfastly in prayer? Why does he tell us to pray always? Well, there's a few reasons. One reason is because we're, we're, we're told to pray all the time because God is always listening. He is the perfect listener. He's never tuned out. He's never too tired to listen. He's never too busy to listen. He is eager to hear what we have to say. He's eager to hear what we need help with. He's eager to hear our cries for mercy and power. He's eager to listen. He he encourages us to, to continue steadfastly in prayer because he is a God who is faithful to continue steadfastly to be there for us, to listen. And on top of that, he has given us free access to him. Why are we told to continue steadfastly in prayer, to pray all the time? Because we've been given access to God all the time. You know, every single human being throughout all of history, has we've, we've all turned our backs on God. We've all ignored God. We've all shut God out in all sorts of ways. 
in our lives. And yet, in spite of our, the Bible calls that sin, God has sent his son into our world to lay down his life for us, to sacrifice himself for us. And when Jesus died on the cross, what that did is opened the way for us to to enter into the presence of God, to to draw near to God. And so because of Jesus' life and his death and his resurrection, we have absolute access to God. We have absolute access to one who is the perfect listener. And that's a couple big reasons that we are told to, to continue steadfastly in prayer, to continue to cry out to him. This is hard, I think, for us to believe because we live in a world where even if we have access to someone, it's hard to believe that they'd really want to hear from us all that much. We don't want to impose on other people. One of my best friends from high school um, over the past eight, ten years has been really involved in in a really popular TV show, a really big popular TV show, and and even to the point where for several years he was actually the showrunner for the show. He, He was in charge of everything that happened with the show. All of the writing, all of all, everything. The story and everything. And, and, and I started watching the show because my best friend was, uh, was so involved with it and everything. And, and, you know, as I watched the show, there would be many times and I'd be like, why did they make that choice? Why did this character do this? Why, why are they doing this with the story? Why, why did they kill that character off? Why? And the thing is, I had access to my friend. I had his cell phone number. I can text him. I can call him whenever I want to. And he's actually a really nice guy. He would take my calls. (laughs) But you know what? I have a feeling, you know, once or twice if I called him and asked him about that, he'd he'd be gracious and, you know, he'd he'd probably give me an answer and and humor me. He, He might find it entertaining. But if I started doing it, you know, like once a week or every other day, every day, as good of friends as we were, he, he might get to the point where I'm certainly he'd be annoyed, but maybe he might even block me. I don't know. You know, we'd get tired <laughs> of listening to my comments and my opinions. You know, as, as nice as my friend is, he'd be driven to a little bit of annoyance at the very least. How much more God, who is perfect and good, the perfect listener, he never gets tired. He never gets annoyed with, with what we have to say to him as we come to him. He gives us access, and, he, and his attention is fully on us. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? We don't want to impose on anyone, but God says, impose upon me. Impose upon me. I want to hear from you. I'm not too busy. I'm not too distracted. I'm not annoyed. Continue steadfastly in prayer. He also tells us then how to pray in the second half of verse 2. He says, pray, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. Being watchful in it with thanksgiving. Well, this, this verb watchful is it carries with it, with it the idea of being alert. As we live our lives, we need to be alert. We need to live our lives with our eyes open to, I think, what I, what I would say, potential needs and also gifts that God gives us. We need to have our eyes open. We need to be paying attention. We need to be alert and watchful as we pray, as we live our lives. When I was in high school, I remember taking driver's ed. How many of you guys remember taking driver's ed? And, and uh, uh, I, was, I was back in the 80s. And, and I remember at one point, I, it was probably still at the time when they, they wheeled in a cart with a projector on it and they showed us a video on the screen, you know, with a projector. And, and, uh, and, and they showed us this video. Um, 
part of the video was talking about, you know, how as you drive, you need to be absolutely aware and alert of everything that's going on around you. You have to be always aware that there could be a danger, there could be a, a problem, there could be an obstacle where you need to pay attention and, and, and stop or, or go around it. And, and there's a scene where you're, you're, you're like in the driver's seat and you, it's in the perspective as you're driving down the street, this little neighborhood street, and uh, as you're driving down it slowly, what would happen is that uh, something, you know, you'd hear like a, a, a sound effect, a ding or something like that, and, and they would like bring up a box on the screen and they would show something that you need to pay attention for that you might miss if you're not looking for it. You know, like a, a car slowly backing out of its driveway. Bing! Or maybe a, a, a ball rolling out into the street and a child chasing it. Bing! You know, or, or, or a delivery man walking around the corner of his truck, you know, and it, it, the, the box comes up and highlights it, you know. And it's just highlighting the fact that as you drive, you can't be oblivious. You know, you have to be always aware. You have to be always alert to, to the fact that there is, there is always a potential danger or problem around every corner, that may be right in front of you, that if you're oblivious, if you're just like driving obliviously, like uh, some of us teenagers did when we were young. I remember, I remember getting in the car with my dad, and my dad got in the car with me, and I just like was under a, a parking deck, and I just put it in reverse and started backing up really fast, and I hear, all of a sudden I hear my dad being like, wait, 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 and we just slam right into a big, you know, pillar underneath the, underneath the parking deck. It's just, you know, that's how some of us are when we start driving. You've got to be aware of everything around you. And I think that's one of the things he's, he's encouraging us as we live our lives, we need to be aware that there are potential needs for God to work everywhere. It's so easy to kind of just live our lives obliviously, kind of just kind of go through things without recognizing that God is able to work in a certain situation or wants to work or wants to do something in us. There's potential dangers for our heart um, to, to be moved toward a place of, of idolatry, of selfishness, of unbelief in all scenarios in life. And we need to be alert, aware to the fact that there's, there's needs for us to pray everywhere. You know, not just in the big moments of life when there's a major tragedy or catastrophe, when we get some major news of about, a, about a big loss in our life. Or as we live with the, with the constant stresses of the pandemic. But just in the, in the small little things of life. You know, as we, as we encounter a stubborn four-year-old who's having a tantrum. It's like, you know, bing, that's something you need to pray about. As we sit down at, at a table for a meal with somebody that we care about. Bing, this is an opportunity for you to actually pray. To say, God, how do you want to work here? What do you want to do in this conversation, in this time with these people? Um, as I'm laying in bed, you know, as I'm thinking, as I'm daydreaming, um, bing, that's, that's an opportunity for a, a potential danger of, of, you know, where are my thoughts going to go? Something I need to pray about. As I, as I sit down and just watch a TV show or a movie, bing, you know, that we need to be alert to the fact that, you know, what are we, what are we taking in? How does God want us to process it? How does God want us to think about it? We need to be alert to the fact that there are dangers around every corner, everywhere. And there's always an opportunity for us to pray for God to work. So, again, why does he want us to be so alert, so watchful to the needs that we might have for him to work? Well, it's because, number one, he cares for us. He loves us. And he wants to work. He's, he's close. He's active. He's powerful. 
to actually do things in those circumstances. Not just in the major things that we're concerned with and stressed about, but, but in all of the situations. As I, as I sit down in front of a, p- a computer screen to, to do work, God is powerful enough and close enough to work in that situation. It's easy to forget that. It's easy not to, to really believe that. That he cares and he's powerful enough to do something in me, in the people around me, in that circumstance, through that thing. But also he wants us to keep our eyes open, not only to the needs, to be watchful for the needs, but also to be watchful for the gifts that he gives. Because he says, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. We need to not only be alert to the dangers of life, but also to the gifts that he gives. What's the point? Why does he want us to look for the gifts that he gives us and be thankful for them? Because he doesn't want us to forget that he is good. He's good. He is good. If if we live our lives without looking for the things that we have to be thankful for, the gifts that he gives us, it's very easy for us to forget that fact. To forget that God is absolutely good. That all that God God does is good. That everything, if if I am his, if I have trusted in him, then everything that, that happens in my life, he is working for my good. God is good. It's one of the biggest challenges to to actually having a a really meaningful and and steadfast prayer life is actually believing that God is good and that what what he wants to do in my life is good. But it's hard. It's hard to believe. It's hard to, to remember that, that the, the reality is that he's better than I can even imagine. God is more good than I can, than I can ever imagine. So that's what, when we need to pray. That's how we need to pray. And then finally, he gives us an idea of what to pray for. He tells us what to pray for. In verse 3, Paul asks the Colossians to pray for him. He says, pray for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I'm in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. And this is what I want to highlight here in Paul's prayer request. Okay, he mentions the fact that he's in prison, right? How many of us, if we were in prison, what would be our prayer request? Pray that I would get out as soon as possible. Pray for my freedom. Pray for my protection in here, that I wouldn't, nothing terrible would happen to me while I'm in prison. Pray that I would be able to endure this difficult time in my life. Pray for me. Pray that I'd have peace in the midst of these trying circumstances. You notice that Paul doesn't ask for any of those things? The fact that he's in prison is just kind of like, you know, he happens to be in prison. What does he ask them to pray for? He asks them to pray that that doors would be opened to the word, that doors would be opened so that he can declare the mystery of Jesus. He prays that Jesus would become more clear to the people around him and and to him, that he'd be able to celebrate the, the glory and the beauty of who Jesus is. That's what he has to pray for. He prays, he has to pray for more of Jesus. That's what he asks for, more of Jesus. Not freedom, not peace, not ability to to endure, but more of Jesus. Why is that? Why is that his prayer request? I think it's because Paul knows that even if he is set free from prison, 
if he's not able to declare the, the, the beauty and the glory of Jesus Christ, the, if, he doesn't, if he's not able to, to declare the, the radical good news of the mystery of Christ, then he's going to be left longing. He's not going to be satisfied. And, and guess what? If he stays in prison, as long as he's able to, to celebrate the glory of Jesus, the sufficiency of Jesus, then it doesn't matter if he's in prison because he has enough. He has enough. And I think that's, that's what this prayer request points us to is about who God is, about who Jesus is, is that he is enough. He is the only one who will satisfy us. No matter how well things go, if we don't have more of Jesus, if we can't talk more about what Jesus has done for us, if we can't see others coming to know the, the satisfying nature of who Jesus is, then it's not enough. And no matter how difficult our lives might be, no matter how many uh, obstacles, no matter how much pain we experience, if we have Jesus, that's enough. If we have the gospel, the news of a, a holy, perfect God coming toward us and loving us and sacrificing his son for us so that we might be loved by him, that's enough. That's enough. And so this is crucial for us as we think about the things that, that we should be praying for. Is it wrong to pray that I would be healed? No. Absolutely not. Is it wrong to pray that I would do well on a test or on an exam at school or in an interview for a job? No. Is it, is it wrong that, that, I, I, that I would see God provide for, for my financial troubles right now? No. I think over and over we're, we're encouraged to pray to God, to, to bring everything to God, to talk to him about everything, to cry out to him about everything. But, but the reality is, is, is that if that's all we're praying for as we gather together and we share prayer requests with one another, if we're only praying for people's lives to be fixed and to get better without praying for others and ourselves to experience more of Jesus, it'll never be enough. It'll never be enough. Because he's enough. He is enough. He is satisfying. He is enough. He is accessible. He is the perfect listener. He is powerful. He is loving and good. And he's satisfying. He's satisfying. He is all these things, and he is real. All of that is true. All of that is true. And, and again, this is maybe the biggest battle of our prayer lives. Part of our sinfulness is that, is that we all, no matter how positive we might be, no matter what, how positive of an outlook we have on life, we all have this kind of streak, at least a tiny bit of a streak of cynicism in us, of doubt, of distrust, that God really is as good as he claims to be, that Jesus really is as powerful as he claims to be, as present as he claims to be. We have trouble believing that God really is great, as he, as he truly is, as he presents himself to be in his word. I think maybe we think of him in the same way that we think of a lot of Disney movies. If you watch any Disney movies, 
um, there's one common theme, one common element to all Disney movies. They, they all end with happily ever after, right? Everything works out perfectly. You know, whether, whether it's Belle and the Beast, you know, he's transformed and they defeat the bad guy and, they, and, and she's left with this handsome prince who's perfect and, and all the people, the curse is lifted and they're all dancing together and everything is perfect, right? Or maybe Anna and Elsa as they triumph and save one another and, and the curse again is lifted and, and, and even Olaf the snowman is able to live and thrive in summer. I mean, what gets better than that? A snowman living in summer with joy, not fear of melting, no fear of melting. I mean, everything works out perfectly. It's, it's too good to be true, right? But it's nice to watch a Disney movie to kind of like entertain ourselves, to comfort ourselves, to feel good about ourselves. I think sometimes maybe we, that's how we treat God. He makes all these incredible promises about who he is and, and what he, he, he will do for us. And, and we just look at him and listen to him and come to church and we're like, yeah, that's nice. And it's nice to kind of just get some comfort for, from it. But we don't really believe it. We don't really believe it. Jesus says, open your eyes to the truth of who I am. Believe that I am all that I say I am. And as a result, continue steadfastly in prayer. Throw yourself into prayer. Cry out to me. Talk to me. Look to me to satisfy your heart. Let's pray together.